Kate Parker. This is Warming Signs, a podcast with the sound minds of science. Uh, it's really a physical response that takes charge as part of their survival system. Hurricane season began Saturday, and for all too many people, so did the anxiety, fear, and stress. Natural disasters can trickle mental, emotional, even physical responses in survivors. In a warming world, we can barely catch our breath from the last disaster before there's another, making the risk of mental trauma that follows even more immediate. This week, I spoke to Lisa Ledoux of AmeriCares. She has more than 20 years of experience in disaster response, and she has been in Houston since Hurricane Harvey helping people cope. And what she has seen has given her a unique perspective on how a natural disaster can become a personal disaster. Lisa, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us about this incredibly important topic. Oh, you're very welcome, Kate. Thank you for inviting me to take part in it. I personally have lived and worked as a meteorologist in an area that had been devastated by a number of very traumatic hurricanes in South Florida. And around this time of year, when hurricane season was getting started and all of the different outlooks were coming out from Colorado State or NOAA, it almost became almost this electric energy in the air of anxiety that you could feel almost rolling off of people of going into the next hurricane season. What is that all about? Where is that coming from? Well, first of all, I don't think I've ever heard a better description of what takes place, Kate, right before a storm is predicted to hit. That is such a common occurrence that the anxiety actually creates that sense of electricity that, that you mentioned. As soon as there's a feel in the air, as, uh, as soon as the reports start coming out, forecasts are being shared, people who, especially those who have been through hurricanes or other disasters in the past, begin reacting without having very little control over them, over their reactions. Uh, it's really a physical response that takes charge as part of their survival system uh, and has been triggered by this new set of circumstances that says to them, wow, this could be just like the last time. And all those memories and all those experiences of the last times start coming up. It got to the point where I would refer to it as the H word for hurricane season or hurricane. (laughs) I would not say the word because I felt like it in of itself was a trigger for people. What is it about people who have, you know, lived through some of these traumatic experiences that makes even just hearing the word so difficult? Well, once again, what you're describing is so universal. You know, I've lived in Colorado where I was a a firefighter up in the mountains, and I can tell you the same thing happens for people who have lived through wildfires. They don't want to hear that word. Sometimes the clouds look like smoke and can trigger the same response. People who maybe haven't been through hurricanes but have uh, experienced floods experience the same thing and want to avoid the slightest memory of anything that reminds them of that traumatic experience because that word brings with it all the experience. So it's not just a memory for people who have lived through it. It's a whole body 
whole mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual experience. And it comes back because it's been imprinted in their minds. Wow. It, that's such, it's what I've seen and witnessed, I think, but couldn't really articulate. And, and you are kind of putting a, a name to that. Is that what you're seeing with your work that you're doing in Houston, you know, post Hurricane Harvey? What has been going on there? Or maybe even what went on at the very beginning? And then now we're going into two hurricane seasons later is going on. Rather commonly, right at the beginning, people are caught up in just just uh, surviving and trying to get back to normal. That's actually the impact of a disaster. In my experiences that have been from the tsunami in Thailand and India and earthquakes in China, all around the world, uh, the earthquake in Nepal, that early situation with trying to figure out what's happened, trying to get things back together, grabbing all those pieces together is actually the easy part. The very most difficult part of a disaster is the recovery process. Really? Yes. I've seen it, again, after wildfires and floods in Colorado. I've seen it uh, in the villages and cities of Nepal that right after the event, everybody's happy to be alive. And you'll hear people on the news saying, well, at least I have my family. Everything else is gone, but I have my family. And people, at least here in the United States, are mostly insured. Not everyone, but there's some belief that someone somehow the system will help them recover because that's what it's all about is helping them recover. And then they go into one realizing that they really have to document everything they've lost, which is a you know, double whammy feeling uh, rather betrayed that they have to go into that much detail. And sometimes they can't even remember. It's just so overwhelming. They can't even go through the process. The paperwork's too much. The remembering's too much. So they begin getting overwhelmed. And then they can miss deadlines and miss out for benefits that they might have otherwise qualified for. Then the community recovery. You know, the neighborhood, my neighborhood, if you'll call it that, up in the mountains, was destroyed by the High Park fire. The community is gone in a way. It's never, ever going to be the same again. So people lose their connections, and there's a dynamic that that most people aren't aware of unless you've been through uh, a really large disaster and lost everything or been part of a community that did lose a lot. The people who didn't lose everything begin feeling guilty, and so they may not even acknowledge what they've lost, or if they do acknowledge, perhaps friends who lost everything don't want to hear about the little bit, and I'm saying that in quotes, that their friends or neighbors lost. So there's an unraveling that can happen in neighborhoods and in communities that then further further exacerbate the trauma. Because oh one thing gosh. we know, this is one just thing I we know is that the connections we have with other people are the biggest determinant of recovering. I just you're blowing my mind with all of this. I I when you were talking about everything you have to document in order to have your in in order to have everything for to get any sort of help and assistance that you need 
I what flashed through my head is is the health insurance that I deal with and just how challenging even just regular health insurance is to navigate. I can't imagine having lost everything and then now you have a full-time job and then some of just trying to probably just a lot of paperwork, I would imagine, to try and Mm -hmm. get anything back. That's something that I think I just wouldn't have even considered in a disaster. And then at that point, kind of the news cycle has moved on. Do people feel abandoned at that point? Yeah, that's a pretty common reaction is feeling abandoned by the news. One, you know, oftentimes at first they don't want the news there. They want to just get on with their lives. But then they realize that, wait a minute, it, now that now they feel forgotten and that nobody's hearing them. And when they're really struggling to to find their voice and struggling to find a way to make their voice heard, for themselves and their family, and even community leaders, trying to make their voices heard for the communities uh, to get help, uh, that is a difficult time. When it very quickly news, you know, news is always happening, so it uh, it moves on and it may come back, and uh, the story might not be very pretty when it comes back. Are there? ways that some of these kind of post-disaster stress and anxiety symptoms present themselves that are are both more on the common scale, but maybe some unusual ways that people may not realize that they're having that kind of stress response that you've seen? Yeah, you know, there's a wide range, obviously, of responses people can have. And they can have some signs and symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, early on, but they don't last. So that never goes on to really being classified as PTSD. That might be acute stress reactions or might even be post-traumatic stress symptoms. But that disorder that gets classified, you know, in the psychiatric realm doesn't really get made. Really, you know, as much as perhaps 20% of the population will develop real PTSD disorders. But most people, however, will suffer from various degrees of anxiety. Right after Hurricane Maria, when I was with Team Rubicon in Puerto Rico, I saw I was traveling with their mobile medical team, and was, it wasn't unusual to see people coming in uh, for panic attacks. So that's not such huh. an unusual early after the, the situation kind of state of being. I've experienced, for me, it was unusual, and it still is fairly unusual, a situation that we call psychogenic blindness. I saw it in Puerto Rico way back after Hurricane Hortense. I saw it in Thailand after the tsunami and in China after the Sichuan earthquake. Of three individuals, one in each of those places, experiencing psychogenic blindness. The trauma was so significant so terrifying that their brain literally perceived that it couldn't see anything anymore. And I as never we even worked heard of this. With, it, it's an unusual thing, and I was shocked to actually encounter it. But as we worked with what they actually experienced, not, not their thoughts about it, not their emotions about it, but really worked slowly with what they had experienced, all three of them could see again, could see well again. And a lot of that wow. is helping them just recognize that they're safe now. And that's one of the most common reactions I see early on and that lasts with some people. 
they never really grasp the fact that they're safe now. That's over. It's not that anymore. It's this now. And that's one of the things that we all can do fairly simply with each other is help each other realize, wait, that's over. This is now. And look, the grass is green and not everything is black. Oh, look, nothing's wet. It's dry. I'm dry. Look at this. The sky is blue and I can hear birds singing if I listen. It's safe now. That is a lot to unpack. So this is the perfect place for us to pause for one of our recurring segments, Warming Signs, where we take a look at the changes that are going on all around us. As our climate continues to change, natural disasters like hurricanes are becoming more intense and dropping more rainfall, leading to more flooding. Now, people are finding themselves having to deal with increasing devastation and short of going blind, it might be tough to know what's normal and when it's time to get help. I asked Dr. Alyssa Barbash for some answers. As a trauma psychologist and Floridian, she knows what to watch out for and how to stop anxiety from becoming PTSD in the first place. What is the difference mm-hmm. between being stressed out and and aware and cautious and maybe anxious versus this PTSD response? I mean, what is on the range of normal versus not? I think having that sense of, you know, awareness and preparation and, oh no, the season's coming again, that's very normal. I think one of the biggest difference between that level and a person who might have PTSD related to having gone through a hurricane is more that it becomes more of an overwhelming fear, um, an overwhelming sense of nervousness. It becomes something that preoccupies their mind and they can't stop thinking and worrying about if one will come um, and if there does happen to be one heading in their direction, a very extreme sense of anxiety about what is going to happen. And, you know, if their whole world is going to be essentially pulled out from other than if their home will be destroyed, their businesses will be lost. Um, if they will die, things like that. So it's, it's definitely the, the difference between more of just a awareness and taking appropriate actions to prepare versus having an overwhelming and very preoccupied focus on the storm, on the anxiety, on the negative thinking, and also possibly feeling very depressed about being helpless to the situation because other than evacuating or preparing your home, there is very little that people can do to you know, change the outcome of what will happen. The most likely person to develop this is someone who really was very directly impacted if they their home was very much, you know, impacted, destroyed, they lost it, if they did lose a loved one in the um, during a storm, or if they, they heard of even someone that they know losing their life in the, a storm, those are going to be the cases where it's going to develop more likely. But then at the same time, I should also say, the PTSD isn't something that has to develop. The biggest reason that PTSD does take place is because a person does not deal directly with what they've experienced. They try to avoid thinking about it. They try to avoid their emotions and feeling anything related to what they've experienced. And that's what leads to a post-trauma response. It's very normal after something like this happens to feel shaken up, to feel you know, fatigued, to feel a bit hypervigilant. Essentially, all of the PTSD symptoms are very normal for any person following the events. But it's how a person goes on to deal with those symptoms and what they do with them that will determine whether or not they do go on to develop 
like a diagnosis of PTSD versus just feeling a bit a bit anxious the next time a storm comes around. Excellent advice from Dr. Barbash on how to head off PTSD after a traumatic event and how to spot the signs if you develop the disorder. Now let's get back to my chat with Lisa Ledoux for some insight into how much people blame climate change after natural disasters and what stops them from connecting the dots. Something that I would imagine might add insult to injury is, especially with Hurricane Harvey, I mean, we have the research that shows that that storm produced a lot more rainfall because of climate change. Is that yet another thing that the survivors from these major disasters, whether it be wildfires or Hurricane Maria, Hurricane Harvey, whatever it may be, Hurricane Michael, that they are having to also grapple with? Like, is it possible that my house would not have flooded because if climate change weren't a thing, because we wouldn't have had this additional rainfall? Is that just another hurdle for them? Or do they even talk about it? I, I, my experience has been, and, you know, I've only worked with the people with whom I've worked, but most of them are so centered on getting themselves and their lives back together that that sort of high, that high level kind of thinking and strategizing and conceptualizing is beyond their capacity. So they just have to put food on the table, get one food, one foot in front of the other. They're not thinking about these bigger questions are they thinking about the next one they do think about the next one but again it's very personal it's still especially those who've been pretty significantly traumatized uh, the brain has a way of just closing down any of the functions that don't seem to be necessary to it and a high level thinking you know what i call executive functioning being able to think about concepts and and constructs and all of that really isn't necessary if you're trying to put food on the table and get yourself to work and get your children to school and try to get some sense of normalcy back in your life when it seems at that point like it will never happen. So I think that's where it becomes the community leader's jobs not to forget all elements of what might be happening and realizing that if they want some consensus from their community members, uh, if, if those community members have not recovered and really resolved a lot of their trauma, it may be really difficult for them to think beyond me and my family. That's such a uh, an important point. Is there anything that you are seeing right now that maybe gives you a little hope that maybe we're moving in the right direction in terms of our mental health with these disasters? Well, for me, it's hopeful that I see more of these alternative forms of uh, support beginning to happen, like the the expanded use of yoga and coming together. Because not only, you know, do people come together to do the yoga, but it's that connection. So as I mentioned earlier, being connected, people reconnecting, reforming communities and uh, finding their networks. It's just so important. And I think in having a plan, one of the things that that I really appreciate is all of the attention from the Weather Channel and other emergency response organizations and and outlets reminding people of having a plan and the following directions. If If you're advised to evacuate, evacuate. That that can help right there. 
being connected and finding ways to to just stay solid. So I do appreciate the planning piece that, that more and more communities are diving into. And that's a lot of what Americaners has been doing in Texas and Puerto Rico is helping people develop coping skills, not only as a recovery from the hurricanes, but in preparation of storms that, of course, will come in the future. Thank you so much, because we know that we can barely catch our breath between these disasters. And um, thank you for all the work that you're doing with helping those victims of Hurricane Harvey still get back on their feet. You're very welcome, Kate. And thank you for all the work you and your colleagues do there at the Weather Channel. I have to thank both Lisa and Dr. Barbash for sharing some of their professional insight on this incredibly important topic today. As a meteorologist, we do our best to communicate the risks, keep you safe. But I understand that sometimes when we're talking about these storms, it can be scary and it can lead to some of these feelings. So if you are having feelings, this anxiety, stress, or whatever kind of response, please reach out to a professional and make sure that you get the help that you need. And of course, thanks to our Warming Signs team for helping get this stuff out of my head and into yours every other Tuesday during the summer. Until next time.